Hey guys, I'm Brittany. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to Cold Encrypted. So this is our first episode and we are all about true crime cases as well as cryptids and conspiracy theories. All those fun things. If you are tuning in from my YouTube channel, thank you for your support. And if you guys can go ahead and click that follow button for us, we would love that. So today we're going to be talking about a case that's pretty recent and to me doesn't make too much sense. Pretty confusing. So we're just going to dive right in. So Debbie Collier lived in Athens, Georgia. She was a mother of two children, Amanda Bearden and Jeffrey Bearden. She was 59 years old when she would vanish on September 10th, 2022. She'd be discovered the following day at 12.44 p.m. She was found naked and burned. So let's backtrack. On September 10th, Debbie spent the day parking cars for a football game. Or at least that's where they thought that she was. The Georgia Bulldogs had a home game at 4 p.m. that day. Her husband had not seen her since the previous night around 9 p.m. He stated that they slept in different rooms because he snored. When Jeff snores, I just move his head and he stops. When he left for work the morning of September 10th, he noted that his wife's rental car, which was a 2022 black Chrysler Pacifica SUV, was still in the driveway. Her car was in the shop. Debbie had been in a car accident in August when a can of paint fell from a moving vehicle and struck her car. The paint went everywhere, and according to Debbie's sister, Diane Shirley, the driver had even tried to convince Debbie not to tell the police that he was driving because he was on parole, and not driving was a stipulation of his parole. It's a little dicey. <laughs> you gotta give her the shot, though. I mean, what she you, can say is no. But then they, she can't claim oh, yeah, no, the repairs and stuff. I mean, can't blame the guy for trying. <laughs> Not trying to go back to jail. Um, on the 10th of September, Debbie's last known location was a family dollar. However, before she went to the family dollar, she was seen on surveillance visiting a Chick-fil-A and then proceeded to head to the store. She entered the store at 2.55 p.m. She was wearing a red shirt and brought a and bought a rain poncho, two rolled pack of paper towels, refillable torch lighter, an OBD tarp, and a reusable tote bag. Which is all very strange items to, yeah. to buy. The surveillance video showed Debbie sitting in her car for 10 minutes around 3.09 p.m. While she was sitting in the car, she then Venmoed her daughter, Amanda, $2,385, along with texting her a message that said, quote, they're not going to let me go, love you, there is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door, end quote. The Venmo account was under Debbie's husband, Steve Collier. It is believed that Debbie did have access to the account, though. We oh. also have a dog. Yeah. Nope, that's our son. <laughs> we have one of those, too. Uh, investigators say they don't know where the money is now, but did confirm Amanda received the money. Investigators also said that they had information that Amanda was also at the Family Dollar that day, but between the surveillance footage along with speaking to employees at the store, disproved that. It was also believed that Debbie was alone in the vehicle when she arrived and left the store. Amanda Collier was the first to raise an alarm about her mother missing. 
Amanda previously lived in Maryland at an apartment complex with her. On September 8th, her and her boyfriend moved to Georgia and moved in with her mother, Debbie and Steve. Steve proceeded to call the police around 6 p.m and told them, came home, my wife wasn't home, her driver's license still in there, the rental car gone, and her daughter's here. We're kind of worried about what's happening and where she's at. I was wondering if you could send somebody over here. Luna's joining us. Oh, Luna, share your he, wisdom. <laughs> he then continued to tell them, according to her daughter, she went home after getting the text messages and found her mother's purse and driver's license were still there. The only thing is the phone is gone, and she sent her daughter a text about two hours ago saying they won't let me go. Whatever that means, we don't know. The dispatcher proceeded to ask him if Debbie could have gone to a friend's house, in which she responded, that's a good question, I thought she was out shopping for food. Her daughter came over with a strange message and then went upstairs to her bedroom and found that her driver's license and credit card is still here. So that doesn't sound like her leaving the house to go shopping. Like I thought she was. You're not just gonna. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like you want to just leave without your cards. Well, if you're going shopping, how are you gonna buy? Things? But it's so weird that I mean, unless she well, forgot it, but. Well, that's not true because if you have a, um, um, if they have, if she has her phone, there's like Apple Pay and yeah, I and stuff like that. that. I've never set that off. She usually does her grocery shopping on Saturdays. Amanda told the police the final message with the payment scared her and that it was unusual for her mother to leave without telling anyone. She also said that she had spoken to her mother on the phone that day and that she had no history of mental illness and a bad back. So this indicated to law enforcement that she wouldn't be walking any large distance on foot. I mean, unless you have to. They ever like confirm that she had no history of mental illness, or was that just the daughter saying that she did? There's no like reports of it, so uh, I mean, I doctors might have reports, since. but I don't think the police ever looked into it. Yeah, they do. Sirius XM actually helped locate the body of Debbie Pellier. Someone who worked at Sirius XM contacted the. Habersham, Habersham? I think it's Habersham. Habersham. County Sheriff's Office investigators on behalf of athens Clark County Police regarding the location of the car. They had said that there was a signal coming from Georgia Highway 15 and Victory Home Lane in Clarksville. This was on September 11th. That afternoon, Habersham County deputies and Palua Falls Police Department officers responded to the area. Police sergeant found the car parked in a pull-off area that led to an old logging road off of Georgia Highway 15. According to the Tallahan, oh, I don't know why I said that fast. According to the Tallulah, Tallulah, I don't know why that's making me struggle so much. <laughs> Tallulah Falls <laughs> Police. <laughs> the car was in the same spot around 5 p.m. on September 10th, the day, the day Debbie went missing. Luna is now sitting on me. We will end up doing where the podcast does have video where you can watch it on YouTube as well. I don't have my makeup on tonight. <laughs> What's funny about that? But this being our first one, we just wanted to make sure that the microphone and everything worked well. So, 
I like fire throw my I'm also in my PJs, not that that really matters. What? That's no, that's not true. Oh, microphone, <laughs> man, not a camera, man. According to the Tolula Falls Police, the car was in the same spot around 5 p.m. September 10th, the day Debbie went missing. They didn't think anything of it because it's normal for cars to pull over in that area. The police then proceeded to call Georgia State Patrol Aviation to help locate Debbie, along with a canine unit being dispatched to the scene to search the area. Debbie's body was discovered around 12.44 p.m. on Sunday, September 11th. She was found naked, partially burned, no longer alive. I mean, I think it's, you can be partially burned and still alive. That's important to know. Yeah. You can be. Yeah. It's happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to you? No. <laughs> but it's happened. Okay. No longer alive, and she was grasping a small tree in the woods. Along with her body, a blue tarp with burn marks was also discovered and a red tote bag, both of which she had purchased earlier that day at the Family Dollar. It was believed that whoever was responsible attempted to burn her body. There was charring to her abdomen. At this time, investigators said there is no evidence to suggest that Debbie Collier's disappearance or death were related to kidnapping or suicide. Her body went to the Georgia Bureau Investigations Crime Lab, where the timeline for a full autopsy was six weeks. Here is where a lot of back and forth starts when it comes to the rulings of the death. So, at this point, investigators said that the case was not leading them in the direction of being drug-related. However, Habersham, or Habersham, however you pronounce it, County Sheriff's Office, says report said that the investigation indicated the incident was drug-related. Investigators commented on this, saying that patrol deputies sometimes mark whatever may be applicable as a possibility, and at this point, they're treating her death as a murder. I, I don't know how you what? just mark <laughs> whatever like, may be yeah, possible. Yeah, let me just pick one of these check boxes of what I think happened here. It was believed that her time of death was anywhere from 3.19 p.m. on September 10th to when she was discovered at 12.44 p.m. the following day. I feel like they should be able to pinpoint that a little better. Just, like, well, I, that's before an autopsy. Sort of decomposure or anything. Well, that's still within a day. I thought that was after the autopsy. No, I think that's before. I it's still within like a day. They oh, found her the next day, so it's not like these... incident report then. No, it, that's just what they believed before the autopsy had a a six week wait. No. They. Oh, well, that's fast. <laughs> yeah, my mom passed, and we're still waiting on the actual. Um, we have a toxicology report, but it's not signed, so there's no actual cause of death. And it's been over a year, so that's fun. Investigators in Habersham County said that they interviewed those closest to the victim. After news of her death spread, neighbors started speaking up. And when you live in a neighborhood where houses are fairly close together, people watch. And people listen. And they notice a few things. We listen and watch. I guess I'm really creepy. <laughs> oh no, I just love drama. <laughs> One neighbor had said that the night before Debbie had disappeared, that there was screaming and fighting that was happening in the home. Loud enough for someone to notice, which would have to be pretty loud. Because I don't think the houses were right on top of each other. 
Yeah. But still, and when you're I didn't inside the, daughter the and the boyfriend just moved back in too. Two days. Yeah. Before. She went missing. Not suspicious at all. Wasn't the boyfriend on probation? Well, we were getting to that part. Sorry. The neighbor. Ahead. <laughs> The neighbor continued to say that a young woman comes up to visit on the weekends and in the evenings there's loud screaming and fighting, which some some say that she moved in with her mom, but their articles don't really imply that. So I'm not 100% sure if she lived with her mom, but if it was, if she didn't live with her mom and just came up on the weekends, then, oh wait, she just came to visit on the weekends. Oh, and in the evenings. Never mind. I feel like I've definitely seen some conflicting things in that regard. That There's... the daughter had just moved in, and the daughter was like, but just the, the two there. days was uh, is confirmed that she had moved to Georgia two days before her mom's death. Yeah, a little suspicious, a little sus, a little sus, right, Luna? What do you think? So the neighbor continued to say that a young woman comes up to visit on the weekends and in the evenings. There's a loud screaming and fighting. A friend of Debbie's answered the door to her home, but then refused to say anything, which I don't know why you'd answer the door if you're not going to say anything. <laughs> I mean, I would just kind she of... She just opened the door and stared blankly at that <laughs> and said nothing. She wouldn't say anything about the case, minus there's a reason we are keeping quiet, <laughs> which is... <laughs> That's <laughs> That's a suspicious. Snitches like, get stitches. Slam. Right, like, well, you have something to do with it. Well, and like just by them saying that, like you can't. That's just definitely not enough evidence for them to be like, okay, you need to tell us more. But I would try to find a way to kind of pry to see what she knows. I didn't say a friend of Debbie answered the door to her home. Whose home? The friend's, the friend's home? home. Oh, or Gabby's home. No, the friend's home. Why is she just answering the door? <laughs> no, the friend's home. Another neighbor named Ricky said that Debbie and her husband kept to themselves and didn't talk to others on the street. That when everyone would gather for a cookout, they never came, and that most people there didn't even know their names. So we kind of keep to ourselves, but we're still, like, friendly and we'll talk to people. Yeah. <clears throat> we just try to avoid it. Wow, you're, you're painting a great picture of us right now. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so a lot of people are speculating that the daughter had, at least in some way, something to do with her mother's death. She brought up the message to her stepfather, but wasn't the one to call the police. So, so she she brought up the message, the text message from Mom Center, yeah. but she didn't call the police, which is a little strange. Because yeah, if you like get if this, just texted me saying, sent me they two won't let me go. And like, said they won't let me go. I'd be like, oh, okay. I mean, definitely. You, transfer you know, a bank account tell her husband, but like, I would immediately be on the phone and or driving to the station and be like, um, what can you do? I mean, yeah, they'd probably be like, not much. yeah. <laughs> um, she stated that she had been to the store the same day as her mother, but was not. There. Which I don't know why you would lie about that. Yeah. Like there's security footage. You would get caught. The amount of money she received was almost exactly the amount of Amanda's boyfriend, Andrew Gingrich. Uh, Gingrich's I think it's Geardrick. Geardrich? I think it's Geardrick. It's an ugly name. That's so. Well, anyways, for her boyfriend's probation fees, which is pretty suspicious. 
Um, her and her boyfriend also arrived in Georgia only two days before her mother went missing. Um, did they talk to her? Did you see anything? Yeah, whether they were estranged or if they talked? No, they talked. She had even said that she had talked to her mom the day, the day before, or that day, that she went missing. Wow. Okay. And why would she be at the house if... Well, I mean, yeah. If they were estranged. I don't know. Why is her mom dead two days later? The whole thing doesn't make sense. So in May 2021, Andrew, who was an ex-MMA fighter, left a note stating, quote, have a nice... Have a nice life, you lying asshole. I already like how this note starts. Um, Have a nice life, you lying asshole. Don't ever contact me again. If you or your family ever come near me again, I will hurt them. P.S. I'm not stupid. Here's your... And then I can't make out the blurred part of the note. Or at least Brittany couldn't. I need to examine the note myself. I'm not exactly sure what family member the note was to, but I would guess it was to Amanda. Investigators at the Habersham County then changed the report back to saying that they believe the incident to be drug-related, but was not sure what substances were involved. Which is crazy, because they were... First it was, oh, they just put down any possibility, and then it's... Because it's 100% a homicide, and now it's back to being drug-related. And I don't even know how you're going to call that if you don't have toxicology reports. You're saying it's drug-related, but we don't have any proof of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that would be based off of circumstantial evidence, but still. Um, There was also an unfired bullet that was found at the scene that the investigators believe could be unrelated. However, former Miami-Dade homicide detective Pat Diaz believed it was an important piece of evidence. Like, why would you... I, I mean, it could be unrelated because you're she's in the woods. Yeah, I was but just gonna say. I mean, still, are why wouldn't slim, you still? If it's some place that's like public land that people hunt on, or yeah, something, but the odds are be, still slim. Yeah, they're quite slim. Right, like by where they found her body. Well, it's a pull-off spot, so it could be a parking spot. And people are just emptying there. Yeah, that's where I put all my unspent rounds. <laughs> Debbie's son Jeffrey reached out to that Habersham, Habersham, some some point in this I will understand how to pronounce uh, this law enforcement department's name, uh, and was met with a bad encounter. That's surprising because all of the recent times we've dealt with police have been super useful and really productive. After the incident, he shared this on Facebook, quote, I made the poor life decision today to reach out to the, ha- well, understand this sentiment, to reach out to the Habersham County Law Enforcement, I was met with a sheriff who did not empathize with my situation, my concerns for my personal and family safety after being doxxed online, or potential leaks coming out of his office. Ted used his time to snicker at my attempts to discuss my concerns and to tell me directly that he wasn't trying to hang up on me when pressing him on his office actions. Amanda has also stated that Quote, the elected sheriff's attitude and lack of understanding does not give me faith or confidence in their ability. End quote. So, as of recent, and as of recent, like, over a month ago, um, at this point, probably closer to two months by the time this actually goes up, but Debbie Collier's death had been ruled a suicide. Her son Jeffrey still believes that his mother's death was a homicide. 
It was reported that she died from inhalation of superheated gases and thermal injuries and hydrocodone intoxication. After the ruling came out, Amanda's views shifted and she said that she shared the belief that it was a suicide. Her view made a hundred and eighty er, her view made a 180 from stating that her mother would have never committed suicide and had no mental illness or suicide thoughts to that she was confident that it was a suicide. Literally a 180. Yeah, I just feel like that's not, like, what about the money? Like, well, she had stated that her mother was giving her her things, like her mom's things, before she passed and was telling her intimate things. I don't know, um, maybe because she had just moved that, to Georgia. That would be a good point to start asking her questions then, if she was doing that. I mean, like, if she was giving her her things and, like, she wasn't seeing her daughter often because yeah, her daughter was in a different... That and telling her intimate details. They're just going to start telling people intimate details because they haven't been around for a while. I don't know. I'm a pretty intimate person. <laughs> I'm an open book. Luna, you are going to have a lot of grunting in this podcast. Oh, yeah. And I just, I don't get... Oh, the police also don't know where... What happened to the money? They confirmed that Amanda had gotten the money that was sent to her from what was believed to be it was from Steven. it was from Steve Collier's account, but it based it off joint, yeah, it looked like account. a joint bank account. So it was confirmed that she got it, but there's no records of where the money went. Which, by the way, where's her husband and all of us? I feel like there's more mention of her kids than her husband. It's just like, yeah, I know. Didn't sleep in the same room. Which is Left weird. Work. <laughs> Didn't hear anything else. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he was cleared of any involvement, but they it still seems weird cleared, that there's no... They were but I don't understand why. It just still seems because... weird that there's the least Yeah, because usually they first look at him. the husband. Yeah. Like the... How was their marriage? Were there any problems? I feel like they just wanted the case to just get over with because this case was solved so quickly and this happened in september and it was solved in november we couldn't even get a i wonder if her mom was prescribed hydrocodone i feel like there wasn't anything that said that that was odd so she must have had some sort of oh wait she did have a bad back she had a bad back yeah. But I would be curious, which I couldn't find anything about it, but I'd be curious to figure out how she paid for the stuff if her cards were home. Her wallet was home. It must have been an Apple Pay or something or cash. Unless they just don't look into it. I'm assuming they didn't. There's just so much unanswered about this case that I don't think that they can just confidently say that it was. But then also, suicide. if it was a suicide, there could be a lot of things that they purposely omit for privacy reasons. That's the only I, I don't think so. I mean, that's the only thing I can come up with because it doesn't make any sense. I feel like the only time they fully like they omit things is if they're trying to catch somebody. But this was 
ruled a suicide. Like, case closed, it's a suicide. And it's very odd that her daughter was, like, the cops aren't helping and stuff. And as soon as the ruling comes out. And it's odd that the daughter didn't call. It's odd that the daughter... Like, a, a lot of people believe that it's the daughter. It's just, yeah, very coincidental. Yeah, all this happens only a couple of days after her daughter and her boyfriend moved down, and well, the daughter the gets money that is much very money. close to the amount owed for probation fees. Just odd. Doesn't add up. I mean, and if if she was committing suicide, that's not a suicide note. Yeah, I wonder. I mean. That's where it'd be interesting to see toxicology reports to see if she was, like, zooted on hydros. But wouldn't they have been able to tell that something was off in the security footage? If something was that off, where she thought somebody was holding her hostage. And that she had to buy these things. She said they won't let me go. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, clearly it wasn't a hostage thing, at least in the situation of the store, because there's the footage of her sitting in the car. But you don't know if somebody was still watching her. Well, if there was nobody else in the car. Just because there wasn't someone else in the car doesn't mean that there wasn't somebody watching her. Well, you're not going to have a hostage drive themselves to the store in another car. Hmm, depends. For all we know, she could have been hiding something. Why wouldn't they just drive to the police station if they're a hostage? Like, they could have been, well, they could have had something that they didn't want uncovered. Debbie or her husband like why would her friend be like there's a reason we're not talking I don't know that was a little cryptic well things weird I want to see the note I want to look up the note so from a article from New York Post that was it went up on September 23rd of 2022 it did state that they stated a little bit more about Amanda's and Andrew's relationship. What was the May incident? Hmm? Did it say what the May incident was? Oh, uh, yeah, it did say. Oh, no, we don't. oh right here. This one. Oh. So, Andrew intentionally caused visible bodily harm to Amanda Bearden. She had visible bruising to the right arm and shoulder. So, he was arrested. He was also ordered to stay away from her. And, he yeah, was yeah. arrested and charged because yeah. of making a false yeah. police report saying that Andrew Gingrich had broken into their home when they actually lived together. So. Yeah. He did hit her. But, but she, she lied, lied yeah. Him. Although, that could be a situation where she could, like, Tell him to I get out, like, out, yeah. And they're like, well, this is his home. Yeah. He lives here. So Which you can't. Yeah, but she should have used, like, other words and broken. Well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, she's probably saying he broke in. He's probably saying, I live here. I have a right to be here. Yeah. I guess it's a situation like that. No, you were so loud. Police report also quoted a man who identified himself as Amanda's stepfather, who told officers the violence between Amanda and the boyfriend was pretty constant over the entire time they had dated, spanning over a couple of years. And even though Andrew 
had a, an order to stay away, Andrew and Amanda were still living together in the same house, claiming they moved back from Maryland just two days before. Oh. Wait, this is that they moved back? Oh, yeah, moved back from Maryland. They oh, so they still had the they still had the production order. Was it? Uh, yeah. It it seems like they still have the had the protection order against him. Yeah. Um. Luna, do you have any thoughts on this case? So after the May twenty twenty one incident, so after he, he had. Hit her had visible bruising on Amanda. They kind of fast tracked the arraignment, and an arraignment was made for him on June 2021, noting that it was his second or subsequent arrest for a family violent offense, and that put the ban on him from contacting Amanda. However, he was charged for violating that order in September of the same year. After he went to Amanda's residence and allegedly banged on the doors and windows demanding to get inside. That same month, he was arrested for a misdemeanor DUI, having marijuana, not wearing a seatbelt, not having required tag lights, and reckless driving. He pleaded guilty to not having the required tag lights and reckless driving, and the rest of the charges were dismissed. In January, he pleaded guilty to domestic violence counts against him and was sentenced 12 months probation. He was then arrested again for violating his parole on August 26 and ordered to serve six days in jail and to show proof he had entered a substance abuse treatment program within 20 days. Six days in jail, that'll show him. Yeah. Amanda also had a string of prior arrests including incidents where she had argued with other boyfriends. In a 2012 fight with her boyfriend, it resulted in an arrest for battery. She later pleaded guilty to the lesser charge of disorderly conduct in November 2012, earning her 12 months probation. In order to take anger management courses and to have no contact with that boyfriend. In 2013, Amanda then, at the age of 27, broke probation after she attempted to provide a fraudulent sample to a drug <laughs> test lab and was sentenced to 30 days in the local jail. What a moron. So I don't know why these people weren't looked more into. Yeah, they seem like some real stand-up individuals. Like, Andrew has a history of violence. Say, like... The, like, Amanda is on record for lying numerous times. Yeah, so anyways, it's a suicide that she went and bought a tarp. Um, it's just very... It I honestly matter. think that it was a just... I mean, obviously, I can't say 100% for certain that this is the case, but to me, it just seems like they just wanted the case done. Yeah. And that's the easiest out. They don't have to find any more evidence. It's done. Why else would she flip her story? Or well, her beliefs? For it to change like that, you'd think that she would have, like, I don't know, 
gave some sort of reasoning or some large update that made her come to the realization of, oh, maybe it was a suicide instead of a murder. Mm -hmm. Like, there's that. For something to immediately change like that. As soon as, and it it didn't happen towards as soon as there was a ruling. Yeah. It it was almost like it was kind of like. They saw in a toxicology report. I don't know. It's a. It's not even like a, well, yeah, this is a possibility. Obviously, there was some sort of large development or something that made them change. Uh, It's very suspicious. Just how dismissive they were to... Well, through our own experiences. I know, but that... firsthand exactly how dismissive they are to... But that just seems like they just didn't care and they just wanted it done. Right. Like... That just goes along with that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was solved really quick. Yeah. It was probably all immediate attention, honestly. It didn't have, like, that crazy of an amount, I feel like. I mean, it does does have more than a lot of cases, but... I feel like it had pretty big... Pretty big coverage. Everybody was saying, like, the same things. Well, yeah, that was a lot of information out. What do you think, Luna? Who did it? Was it a suicide? Was it a murder? Was it something else? <laughs> Luna has a lot of thoughts, but she's staying awfully tight-lipped on this one. Yeah, she's a little tired. You tonight. don't really want to get involved. This isn't very New Year's Eve of you. <laughs> We're filming this or recording this on the last day of 2022. Yeah, which is crazy. Right, Luna? Luna's first New Year's. No, I think that there's more to this case, and sadly, I don't think that there's. No, nope. as soon as that, that gets ruling, yeah. ruled, that's a case closed. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think that it's actually. I don't know that it's. I can't. Why would she burn herself? Why did you just ask me what I think? And then all <laughs> I said was, I don't know, I can't. You immediately start questioning what I'm saying. I feel like the. Especially having not seen a toxicology report, I don't think, I, I guess you cannot rule out a suicide. It sounds suspicious, and I don't believe it to be that, but you have no idea the mental state she was in if she was loaded well, with hydros. I and know like, that people... You're not necessarily going to see that on a camera, that somebody is under the influence of pills if they're not staggering around somewhere, especially... Family dollars, dollar yeah, but generals. Yeah, it's to the point that she don't... was like hallucinating things. Well, right, but you're not gonna really necessarily well, they, see that. But they talked to the people working too, so wouldn't they have been able to tell? Maybe something. I mean, I know there's still nothing definitive from that. I mean, everybody's, you know, if you worked in retail, you see all sorts of people well, yeah, throughout but... the day. You definitely get those people where you're like, huh, something's off here, but I don't know what. Yeah. And you can't and say for I certain, imagine. like, like some people who are having suicidal thoughts, they don't, they don't talk about it. They can mm-hmm. seem like the happiest per- people in the world, but I don't know. It's just, it's very strange. Like, did she have life insurance policy? I didn't read anything about that because that that's is usually also, a pretty red flag. Yeah, and if something changes that, or if it's like a high one. Really pay out if you commit suicide. Otherwise, that would be they don't loophole. So, if she was trying to make it look like a murder, so that she would 
still get a payout for that? I don't know. There's still questions. I feel well, like there's so much information that wasn't. But then, because of it being ruled a suicide, I feel like that makes it a lot easier for all that stuff to not be released or yeah. anything because it's under the guise of privacy. Well, and it's already. Why would they release more when yeah. they've already ruled the the verdict? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. There's there's definitely more to the whole very Amanda situation. and Andrew thing. Well, yeah. And I can't imagine that Debbie was a huge fan of Andrew if he had put hands on her daughter. Yeah, and wrote that note. Yeah. So, Which, if Andrew didn't do anything, I'm sure as soon as he found out Debbie got murdered, he thought about that note that he left. Yeah, but he moved back, or he moved back to well, Maryland. Yeah, I'm assuming it, no, he moved. Uh, he moved to Georgia, yeah. And then moved to Georgia. Well, we'd love to read your guys' comments down below. And if Only you can... good ones, though. The bad ones we just delete. <laughs> so if you don't have anything good to say... And if you guys could hit that follow <laughs> for us, and also give us a five-star rating. Only five-star rating, please. Because that five would help us rating. tremendously. Yeah, they have that on, like, Apple and oh. Spotify. It's not YouTube. Yeah, anything that's good ratings. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Give us good ratings. Hey. Right? Like I mentioned before, we are going to eventually do a video so you can watch it on YouTube as well. Yeah, not until I'm looking better. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> and if you guys are interested in paranormal stuff and don't know about my YouTube yet, just go and check out Check Brittany. it out. It's the best channel. That sounds so ever. sarcastic. It's not sarcastic. <laughs> it's just... It's all about paranormal loading. and then it also has... It's just loading? Yeah. Obviously I'm on your side. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm biased. It's biased. That's what I was like. Um, loaded. And we do some vlogs on there as well, so you guys will get to know us a little bit better. Right, Luna? So you watch the vlogs. You can learn who Luna is. And we don't really have an outro yet, so... Yeah, we'll figure that out. Oh, yeah, we'll figure Brittany's that out. She's going to sing you a along. song for the outro. Uh, <laughs> she no. composed it herself. <laughs> no. So... Right, next we time. will, yeah, talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye, Luna. Say bye. <laughs>